Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Two Food Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Iris Otakos, and we're back again for episode nine, I think we are, episode nine of the World Cup, day eight in a row, um, and as you can tell, the voice is going. It is very, very much not there if you compare it to what it was pretty much four podcasts ago. Um, the difference is, is drastic, and it's quite funny, actually, to go back and listen to it and listen to my voice now, but I guess that's the sacrifices you have to make. Um, apologies if, if this podcast is going to be slightly less listenable, um, if that's even a word, listenable, um, because of it, I apologise, it's one of those things, I think, I initially blamed it on the 21st that I had on Friday, um, but then I realised, okay, maybe doing this every day, not really sleeping a whole lot, um, not sleeping a whole lot, this, doing this every day, not sleeping a whole lot, the 21st, and screaming during the Australia Chinese game, maybe it was a perfect storm that has come to, um, has come to lead to this, um, slightly shit voice to put it frank, but hopefully, hopefully it recovers soon-ish. I don't think it will, as um, I'm slightly falling a little bit under the weather as well. Which just is it all you want? Just is it what you want? We need to be waking up at, at stupid o'clock and doing this every day. And, but um, but we'll battle through. We'll soldier through because uh, we can only move forwards and we can only just keep doing what we're doing. So um yeah i hope everyone's well i hope the day has treated everyone nicely once again a slightly less enthusiastic podcast um than than what it potentially was yesterday um gotta gotta cut cut me some slack um cut me some slack because it was um yesterday was yeah yesterday's podcast was unreal i love doing it so um it's probably going to be slightly shorter it's going to be probably slightly less enthusiastic slightly more kind of neutral down the line a little bit more tactical as well but um, no, there you go. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be very very interesting to see how how this one how this one goes. But um, yeah, it probably will be slightly shorter than yesterday's. I don't think we're gonna crack the fifty minute mark. Potentially not even crack the forty minute mark because my voice is 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 on the edge. Um, but no, yes. What else? Plugging all the stuff before I can get into the football. <coughs> um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for all the support on yesterday's pod. Thank you for all the support on 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 everything so far. It means the world to me. Um, make sure you share everything around. Um, get people to subscribe to what it means the world when I say that the, those numbers tick up, those those vanity metrics tip, tick up. Um, it means the world to me. So yeah, and if you want to do that, all the socials are in the links in the description of YouTube. Relevant links are in the um, Twitter and Instagram bios. And then I'm assuming if you're listening on Spotify, you already know all of that. So I don't need to tell you. But um, yes, share around, do all that good stuff. Do do the best thing on every app. That would mean the world to me. Okay, let's crack on and let's start. Let's start things with the first game over the weekend. So not not over the weekend. Sorry, over the last day. That was of course Sunday night. Japan versus Costa Rica. Now of course the the I wouldn't say the the repercussions maybe of this group were were massive. Were absolutely massive because at, at before things before the game was kicked off, Japan were on three points. Costa Rica were on none. Um, Costa Rica were on none, no points. And if Japan had had won and Japan had got through, it would have pretty much all but confirmed Germany's exit if they failed to beat Spain. Now, we all expected Japan to win. I expected Japan to win. Um, I predicted last podcast I thought Japan would win. I was very confident Japan would win. Um, I was very confident that they'd get out of the group. As you can tell by the title of my podcast, maybe four, four three or four episodes ago, um, almost guaranteed qualification. 
Um, actually, no, that wasn't the title, but I spoke about almost guaranteed qualification. Um, for Japan, did that episode. I put it to put it bluntly. I, I I didn't see I didn't see a way that Costa Rica were going to be able to win this game. I, I watched both. Went back and watched um a little bit more of the Costa Rica game. Um, obviously, I, I knew what we were going to get from Japan. Went back a little. Went back and looked at, at Costa Rica a little bit and wanted to find out what they were about, especially when they had the ball. Um, because I thought they would have a, have a little bit more of the ball against Japan. So, when they did get when they did have the ball against Spain in the very rare times they did, I wanted to see what they were doing. And there wasn't really a structure to the way that they were playing against Spain. Granted, it's Spain, and their structure is unbelievable, as as we've touched on. Um, both in and out of possession, their structure is very very good. So it's very hard to kind of judge judge them judge the opposition against Spain just because of how inherently good they are. Um, but it was it was going to be it was interesting to see how. It was interesting to see how how Costa Rica were going to approach this game. Of course, Japan probably have the better side. Japan had more of the momentum, and Japan realistically should have should have on paper won this game quite comfortably. And the first half kind of went exactly to the script of Costa Rica in a sense because Costa Rica didn't want this game. Apologies, Costa Rica didn't want this game to become end to end. Didn't want this game to become frantic. Didn't want this game to become a kind of. Um, you know what this game to become a basketball match in a sense where it's free flowing and they they wanted to suffocate it they wanted they didn't want Japan to they didn't want to allow Japan any space they didn't want to allow Japan any any room to move in a sense and um what what Costa Rica needed to do was that and they did do that in that first half it was very it was a it was a boring first half if we're going to be if we're going to be blatantly honest there was only there's only one minute of added time which goes to show just how boring it was considering how much added time there has been throughout this tournament. Um, and that, that that's a testament to Costa Rica and their ability to suffocate games and their ability to, to um, their ability to really restrict Japan, especially going forward. Now we take a look at the second half. <clears throat> if we take a look at the second half, or if we take a look at it, if we, even if we take a look at the first half, take a look at the first half stats. Costa Rica had a lot more of the ball. They had fifty eight possession to forty two, but apart from that, there was no there was no real there was no shots. There was no real big chances created. There was five shots across the. Across the first half, um, they on target. So across both teams, they on target. So it was, it was, it was a game which, especially in that first half, was played extreme. Was was played very well in, or was played in Costa Rica's hands, I should say. Um, and if we take a look at the second half, that's when Japan really needed to start to get an ascendancy on the game, and that's when they did start to get an ascendancy on the game. They 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 really got on top, really really got on top, and it was what we, it was what we. All expected to see from this Japan side. Now we look at the Japan side against against Germany. It was, it was reliant on the counter attack. It was really reliant on kind of, um. Of course, of course, their first half wasn't great. They moved to a three. They brought Tamayasu on and moved to a three, um, and that kind of changed the game. They allowed to that allowed them to, kind of overload on that on the on the on the wide flanks, getting behind that German defense, especially that that very high German back line with the wing backs pushing very high. They were able to get those spaces. In behind the in behind the fullbacks and really attack the the defense that way, um, so it was kind of it was interesting to see whether or not they would go with the same approach. They made, if I'm not mistaken, they made no changes at half. I oh know they they made two changes at halftime. They bought Asano and and Huako Ito on for Nagatomo and Ueda. So that obviously sparked a little bit of a change. Obviously, that they gave them fresh legs, a little bit more of a structure change as well, coming with those two players. So 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 what that allowed was it just allowed a different dynamic. And when things don't work, I feel like half time, and especially first time for like first half substitutions, are a little bit underrated in a sense because 
when it's not working, when it's not working, you need to change it. And when, when the opposition have kind of figured out a player or figured out a team, throwing a player on, changing formations, changing the dynamic of, of the team really, really can mess up the opposition and really can just change the dynamic of the whole game. So it can even be as subtle as... <clears throat> sorry. It can, it can even be as subtle as bringing on like a like a left side like a left winger that that's left footed that's a true winger instead of bringing in someone who can cut inside which allows for the overlapping fullback so that's pretty predictable so getting a, a true a true winger on who will hug the touchline who will be very wide and maintain the width that obviously allows for maybe some central midfielders to occupy that half space maybe even an inverted winger or inverted fullback i should say uh maybe the wingback drops into a three and they can restructure their formation that way so it can really be very nuanced the changes that that teams can make, and um, I think the nuanced changes that Japan made in this game definitely helped them get back into the game, and definitely allowed them to really get a foothold into the game. They really dominated the game. If we look at the second half possession, if we look at the second half stats, just in general, that seventy five percent possession to twenty five, eleven shots to one, um, six shots inside the box, three hundred and forty passes. It was once again, it was really, it was just dominant. It was utterly dominant, and. We all thought it was inevitable when they were going to get the breakthrough, and we all thought they potentially could have earned the breakthrough. Um, and on the 70th minute, when they had that player go through on goal, that was fouled. Um, that was fouled. So that was fouled on the edge of the box. Only a yellow card given to to um, Francesco uh, Galvo. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, only a yellow card given when it could have been a red. It was very borderline, in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> so it was very borderline. So. So you were kind of looking at it as if what avenue was the referee going to go down? He went with the, it wasn't really last man. In my opinion, it was a denial of a clear goal-scoring opportunity and he didn't play the ball. Granted, it was outside the box, but in my opinion, that's a straight red. Um, there was everything about that, that that showed to me that it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity. So it was one of those things. But anyway, the, the referee went yellow. Nothing came with the free kick. And then 11 minutes later, <coughs> 11 minutes later, the um we all we all were kind of shocked when when I think it was Maya Yoshida kind of miscued a clearance, the ball fell to to Kashaya Kesh Fuller and his shot was was travelling and I'm being pretty generous in saying this. It was travelling at about the pace of this. Um for audio listeners, my my, my, my arms are moving in a circular motion at about I wanna say about four kilometers an hour. Um it was it was moving at about of a pace like this, and the goalkeeper jumped. The goalkeeper jumped about four and a half years too early, and he realised he wasn't going to get there. He was only going to get there on the on his on the when he was coming down, trying to tip it over the bar, tried to tip it to the side, couldn't couldn't get enough purchase. He tipped it into his own net, and e- euphoria really, absolute euphoria. Um, <clears throat> they had eleven minutes, or they had they had nine minutes plus six, so they had fifteen minutes to hold on and. Very nervous moments, very tense moments. Japan had a couple of clear chances, but at the end of the day, it was Costa Rica. He got all three points, and it was Costa Rica who put the cat amongst the pigeons in Group, in Group E, and it was it was Costa Rica who, who have, who have put themselves unbelievably so in a position to finish, in the top two spaces of Group Group E, which after their first game was something which no one thought was ever in the realm of possibility. So yeah. It was a um, it was a magical day if you're if you're a Costa Rican supporter, and it was a day which a lot of people will will put into into the history books as as one of the 
I wouldn't say great World Cup upsets, but a day, especially if you're Costa Rican, which will leave you in infamy um, because of, of the way that you did it. It was backs against the wall. It was pick yourself up by the collar. And um, it was a it was a magical 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 day for them. But I think this kind of this kind this I want to speak on Japan a little bit at the back end of this because this was a this was a despite the result and despite the the differences obviously the nuanced differences this was a very this was a very um, a very similar Japan team to what we to what we saw against against Germany and and that is potentially a little bit surprising because. Um, because obviously the result, it's like how can you be, how can you play the same way against against Germany and Costa Rica without without beating without winning both like without beating Costa Rica if you beat if you beat Germany right? But as I've mentioned before, styles start like I like I've said I've used the phrase styles make fights and styles make games. Japan are a side which obviously we all know the tactical I mean the technical ability that so many of their players have it's it's ridiculous right? Just how how comfortable on the ball literally every player in that in that squad is um but then you look at then you look at you look at the way that they play it will it is heavily reliant on the counter-attack it is heavily reliant on being um on being very very stringent and very structured defensively before then using your using your technical ability and using that that flair and that pace that you've got up front to kind of just weave some magic that's what we saw against Germany. That's what we saw. Um, that's what we saw against Germany, especially in that second half. That's what we saw when both of those goals went in, and it was, it was a thing of right. Can they do it with possession? Can they break a team down? Can they really pass through a team tactically and really, and really just kind of destroy them? Like in a sense, because that's what Japan needed to do. They needed to destroy Costa Rica in order to break them down. Because despite the seven 0 loss to, to to Spain. Costa Rica are a very are a stringent team defensively. You can't. It's very rare that, especially, maybe Spain's probably one of the only teams in world football that can do it because of just how like just how ridiculous they are, right? But with Costa Rica, you need to be very very good to break them down. And Japan weren't that in possession. They weren't very good. To, they weren't very good, or they weren't good enough to break them down. They were very reliant on a kind of a little bit of individual talent to to break through set pieces, counter attacks. Like I said, so I guess I guess this is something that they probably won't need to worry about because they've obviously got they got Spain in their final group game, a game which if they were, if they're going to qualify, they need to win. Um, and I need them to qualify. Um, because of my antics on Twitter, if you saw that, then there you go. But um. I need them to qualify, and they've got Spain, and they've got a Spain side which will probably, which will be willing or which will be needing to play a full strength team. Will be needing to win that game, um, in order to secure qualification. Because if Japan and Costa Rica both win, um, if Japan and Costa Rica both win, then of course, of course, we we're, we're going to see a scenario in which Spain and Germany are both out, which. It's just ridiculous. It's just absolutely absurd. But um, one yeah, once again, it's a World Cup. So yeah, there you go. But Japan, the Japan will, will, should, shouldn't take too much. Um, shouldn't be dinted in their confidence enough from this game because of the way that they normally play against big teams. They're going to be versing. They're going to be versing big teams for the rest of the tournament, right? Especially Spain. And if they get through to the round sixteen, they're going to be versing a pretty good team, right? So they can't. They're not going to be able to um to think about this result a little bit. They're going to be able to in terms of they're not going to be able to think. Oh, we can't break a team down because every team that they're going to verse from now on, you'd think we're going to hold possession. Going to be more of the assertive team against them. Um. So, so yeah. That's obviously something that they're going to need to kind of need to put in the back of their mind. And say, all right, this was just a poor result, poor performance. Let's just move on quickly and let's just go um, into let's just go into 
into the um into the next game against Spain where we can just do what we did against Germany and we should be able to get a result. But um yeah, that was a huge game for, for Costa Rica. Pretty boring game in all fairness, but um yeah, there you go. It was it, it was one of the magical magical things about football and um another magical thing about football is the, the truly magical moment of the day and that was of course a Belgium nil Morocco too. Um what can you say? What can you say? It was it's it's a magical, magical night. Absolutely magical night. And I mean if we look, if you go through the game, obviously Belgium went with Belgium went with a, a little bit of a of a four at the back system. Um they went they they moved back to their to their four to the, to to their four of the back system after playing well relatively after playing with the three pretty much for 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 the foreseeable or for for the recent past anyway. There's like I mean you look at the defense and you say Alderweireld and Vertonghen, and you're thinking fuck I, I mean twenty seventeen called or like mate Spur, Daniel Levy called from twenty seventeen he wants his centre half partnership back like, uh like that's very concerning very concerning and of course this is a this is a very typical thing of this Belgium golden generation that has been kind of clung on to by, by like everything that they've got um just not they're not going to let it go they're not going to let it go because um they can't let it go so yeah this of course was a pretty good team like a more than capable team for for um for Belgium of course that front four of De Bruyne Hazard Hazard and Batshuayi Onana and Witzel playing slightly deeper Munier and, and Castagna with with Courtois in goal this team should be should be capable enough to, to beat Morocco. Should be capable enough to beat Morocco and beat them quite comfortably. Potentially not convincingly, like I'm not talking a four, five, six nil, but a comfortable two nil win. Just just get the job done and move on to the final group game where you need to win, right? Or where you are already through. Um But but no, it, it wasn't that. And it was despite a despite a very good start from Belgium, despite a very comfortable way of playing football um, in terms of like they, they were passing it around they were being very incisive in possession um, they were a lot better than what I thought they were although a lot better than what they were especially against um, against Canada who we'll touch on um, a little bit later but they were a lot better than what they what they were in that game so it was kind of a okay this is a new Belgium team this is a new Belgium team new Belgium expectations and maybe the tournament starts from now um, however they couldn't find the breakthrough. They 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 couldn't find a breakthrough, especially in that first maybe twenty five minutes where they had a, where they really had an ascendancy, uh, maybe first half an hour where they, where they really had an ascendancy, and then Morocco get back into the game. They start to even things up. Belgium, Belgium were kind of a little bit more dominant, maybe towards the towards the middle or like the back end of that half. If I can remember, they had a couple of chances, but then again, maybe it was more just they denied Morocco quite a lot. Um, after Morocco got back into the game a little bit, they kind of halted that momentum and cut them off a little bit. Um, before, before the before the um before the half time whistle, and they were saved by the bell in a sense because a goal was denied. Goal scored by Hakim Ziyech on the forty fifth minute. That was denied by VAR and that was denied by, um. But yeah, that was done by VAR. Did you do an offside call? Now, if I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to be honest, I don't see a world in which that is offside. Yeah, actually, no, that's such a lie. I think it's absolutely borderline. I think it's so borderline because does is, is he the player offside? Yeah, the player's offside. Okay, he doesn't get he <coughs> sorry he doesn't touch the ball. He doesn't influence play. The only way that I can see this getting ruled out is that if he 
blocked the view of the goalkeeper. Now, in my opinion, I don't think he does. I don't think he does to enough of an extent where it could it could negatively affect the goalkeeper into a big regard, in a sense, or to a to a drastic manner in which the goal had to be overturned. I don't see it. I just don't see it. And and it's one of those things, right, where that could that that either demoralizes the team like Morocco, where they've been on the back foot for the most of the first half. They get that break. They get that lucky break where they can, okay, we're going to go into half time against Belgium one 0 up, and then it's taken away from them. It can it can demoralize the team, and then it can also rejuvenate the team and and really um and really pump them up and get them excited and 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 like give them give them this extra bit of energy that they really need. So. It, so it's it's one of those things, right? Where it's depending on how the opposition kind of react to it. It's depending on how the opposition, uh, uh, or how the how sorry how the team that's been affected by VAR look like goes back on it. I think it, I think it happening at halftime was pretty good, because they were able to just reset. Like that didn't happen. Just put it in the back of their mind. Reset didn't happen. Let's just go into the game like we were, um, two seconds. But let's just go with the same mentality that we had two seconds before the free kick went in. Um. So yeah. Um, it was, and of course, Morocco needed to respond because Belgium had a little bit of a stranglehold in that game, and there was a couple of subs happened on the hour. Mark Tillemans and and Mertens came on for Hazard and Onana, um, <clears throat> pretty straight swaps. Tillemans offers a little bit more ball attention. Mertens offers a little bit more of like a striker's poacher's instinct. So I guess those two kind of link up quite well. Um, <clears throat> however, it was a pretty it was a pretty I wouldn't say bland first half first half of the second half, but. No side really got on top. No side really showed their dominance until, until the seventy third minute, where um, the first direct goal off a corner, off a free kick, Roman Sace with a um, with a with a magical moment, a magical moment in Moroccan football, a magical moment in 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 football. It it's something which you won't see often. And when you do see it, you need to savor it. You need to bottle it up, and you need to experience it. Whether you're Moroccan, whether you're not, whether you're like got no no links to Morocco at all, you need to bottle these moments up because because th- these are the moments which make which make football great. These are the moments which make football unbelievable. When when that corner, when that free kick swept in, it gets past Courtois out to near post, and and. Delirium, absolute delirium. Um, Belgium try to try to get back into the game, um, and they leave themselves exposed. And then, of course, the second goal goes in for Morocco on ninety two minutes, and then just euphoria, absolute euphoria. It was it's something which, it's something which a lot of, like, it's something which a lot of people won't experience. It's something which a lot of people won't, um, ex um kind of live with a lot of people won't live with that feeling especially if you come from like an England or or even like France, Spain, Germany, Portugal you don't live these underdog truly underdog moments and Australia had that to a very very lesser extent against Tunisia but we still had that backs against a wall style win but but this is what this is what makes football great this is what makes football so so good and um I think this is that game was that game was football in its purest form. That game was sport in its purest form. 
you have the agony, the ecstasy, the heartbreak, the adulation. Like, and and the thing is, it's going to be a day which both countries will remember for very, very different reasons, very different reasons. And this is something that the World Cup has given us time and time again. And this edition of the tournament has been something else. It's it, it, this was an infamous day in the tournament's history, an infamous day in the sports history. Because like Leicester winning the league, like Saudi Arabia beating, beating Argentina, like Ghana getting it to the quarterfinals in 2010, this shows um, a light and this gives faith to the underdogs to get the job done. Because football isn't played on paper, football isn't played with price tags next to people's names. It's played with 11 versus 11 and that's all it comes down to. So when you get results like this, it gives hope to every other nation who is the underdog or is slightly less or isn't given the faith that, like other countries are given. It was a it's it was it's just a magical moment. It's what it's what the World Cup's for. It's um it's just brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant and and something that um it's something that you're gonna that you need to savor. Something that you need to savor as a as a football fan, like I said, because you need to bottle this experience up. You need to bottle all of this up, and just 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 let it out because it's a magical moment, absolutely magical moment. Um, we look at Belgium. I mean, <clears throat> they're on the precipice, aren't they? They're on the absolute precipice because if they get a if they they need to win, they need to win. On the, on the assumption that Morocco, on the assumption that Morocco cannot lose by at least three goals, Belgium need to win. Points not good enough. A a win, but a Morocco win isn't good enough. Morocco get a point. Belgium need to win. Um, that's that that's the equation. That that is the equation, and. It, it, it's so fascinating because a lot of people when a lot of people looked at this group and had Croatia going out from what I saw anyway a lot of people had Croatia going out and having Belgium go through and having Belgium get to pretty far I saw a lot of people saying quarters or a lot of people saying semis and when you look at the talent you, you, you kind of are justified by saying that when you look at the talent on the pitch you look at what this team has been able to do especially 2018 reached the semis 2020 they reached the Quarters of the Euros, I want to say. Um, so, so they're by far they're, they're like they are they're a very good team. They're a very good team. Um, but it, it's it's once again like I said, football isn't played on paper. And football is a game where football is a game of margins, a game of a game of inches. And like, if Courtois stands five centimeters to his right, maybe he gets to that first cross, and maybe this game is completely different. But but you can't you can't think about it any other way because it's happened and Belgium need to go to this game against Croatia where they can definitely get a point. Belgium can definitely get a point against Croatia by by all means. Um, that of course would see them through if if Morocco lose by three goals against Canada, and Belgium can definitely beat Croatia as well. So so Belgium aren't out of it just yet. They aren't they aren't they aren't completely out of it just yet. But it's one of those things, isn't it? One of those things. And, when you when you watch Belgium, especially in that first game against Canada, they got away with things. They got away with things heavily, 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 heavily. They got away with things. Canada were by far the better team. I said Canada were by far my most impressive team heading into or at the end of the first round of of games, which is quite funny now that they're actually eliminated, which is hilarious. But 
it's one it's 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 a magical feeling it's a magical moment absolutely magical moment because like i said it's it's just this euphoria it's just this absolute euphoria for for morocco and this heartbreak for, for belgium and it and it makes people think it makes people turn and think oh fuck this is real like this is real and when we take a look at the next and we take a look at um of course the next game canada croatia I mean, you can't really take a look, take a look, take a lot out of it. Canada, of course, got their got their first ever World Cup goal. Alfonso Davies, um, Alfonso Davies with their first ever World Cup goal. Magical moment once again. Just more magical moments piling on top of magical moments. And when I when I saw this, I was like, oh, please, please get the job done. Please get the job done. But um, Kramerich Kramerich's equaliser just after half an hour mark, and then Levi's um goal. Just before half time, kind of crushed the hearts of many Canadians out there, crushed the hearts of many people um, who wanted to see this Canada side go far. It sucks. It is one of those things, right, where you look at it and it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be. Of course, they then piled two on top of that Kramer, which was the brace, and Lovro Meyer, who is an absolute baller, by the way. Lovro Meyer's a freak. Um,. Just yeah, it sucked. It really sucked because, like I said, I had Canada going. I had Canada as my most impressive team. I had Canada as my my as my most impressive team after the first round of fixtures. I thought they could definitely get a result against Croatia. I, I think I predicted them to get a result against Croatia, but I think class is temporary. Form is no form is temporary. Class is permanent. Um, is is how the saying goes. So you can't really, you can't really, kind of knock them in a sense because of just how. Good they have been for a long time, just how good they have been consistently for a long time. So, got to give them the credit they deserve. Have to give them the credit they deserve because they once again they deserve it. So, I don't, I didn't really know how to speak on this game. Um, didn't really know how to speak on this game. Croatia, of uh, uh, Croatia are good. They are they are aging. They're a little bit of an aging team, but this four four two system, this four three three system, Modric, Kovacic, Brozovic, just unbelievable. This front three is very very fluid. Um, you have Kramic, of course, being the central focal point, and then you have Perisic and, and Levi's side of this game, of course, being very just, not, I want to say interchangeable, but being able to cut in, cut out, cut, drop deep, push in between the lines, go over the top of the defence. So, yeah, they were very well-rounded, very versatile. And, um, yeah, it's a, it was a very good result for Croatia. This, this means that they're through, I'm pretty sure. Does it? Um... No, so okay, so the only way in which Croatia could not drop out is that if Morocco and Belgium both win. So, of course they're not they're not they're not through with it just yet, but a point against Belgium get get them gets them through. Um, yeah, point against Belgium gets them through. So they should get through, and if they don't, it'd be a shock to me. But once again, who who knows who knows what could happen, right? Who knows what could happen? And if we move on to the final game of the day, Spain Germany. A game that had a lot riding on it. A game that had a lot riding on it. Um, because of course we all know the um we all know pre pre game if we all know pre game that despite the result in Japan Costa Rica, Germany needed to get at least a point. Germany definitely needed to get at least a point because if they had lost this game two 0 they'd be on zero points. They need to win in their final game against Costa Rica and they need to win pretty comfortably, right? So this of course was a pretty pretty tough game for them. Pretty tough game for them. Spain, of course, were very, very good against Costa Rica. Very, very good against Costa Rica. And Germany were terrible against Japan, right? So it is one of those things where 
you look at it and you think, all right, if you look at if you take the form of both sides pre pre before the game, it shouldn't even really be a competition, right? But but once again, like I said many times on this podcast, football isn't played on paper. And football isn't played um, on form. Football is played in those ninety minutes, and Germany really were really got really got into the game, um, really got into the game. I wouldn't say pretty quickly, but they 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 stifled Spain early. That's something which I was going to look. That was I was looking towards. If Germany allowed Spain to dominate the ball, have possession, be really fluid and be really int- intrinsic and very intricate in the in the final third and pass through them and carve them open like they did to Costa Rica then we'd be in for a long day at the office, right? But Germany needs to just hold firm. They didn't necessarily need to attack from the first minute and be like the better team. But what they needed to do was just be very firm, very solid, be very be very relaxed. And then what that would come what what would come from that was a way of getting back into the game naturally. By once you get more of your players into the game, once you get a little bit more possession, once the opposition starts to get a little bit more tired, then you can start to get into the game a little bit more. So what they needed to do was just stifle Spain early and I feel they did that pretty well. The first real moment of the game came with like with that um VAR cancelled cancelled goal from um Antonio Rudiger, which um which of course would have been a massive goal for for Germany if it stood, it would have put them put them in the lead and really given them a massive chance of holding on with things. However, half time came, nil all. Second half came and then just after the hour mark, it was Alvaro Morata who um who got the goal. Who got the goal and really, really put the cat amongst the pigeons and really, really put Germany on the back foot and really, really tested out what this German side was made of. Because, like I said, this German side likes to fight, likes to play football, likes to play football. So when you when you put them on the back foot and when you have to kind of force them to, when you when you when you need to when you need to force them to kind of, when you need to force them to 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 do two things hold possession and be very patient and really just relax that's when they are slightly struggle because naturally they're very high octane high tempo but then again you if you force them to go so far the opposite way where they need to force things they need to play that hollywood pass every single time they need to get spam crossed into the box they're the two avenues in which you can beat in which you can beat germany and i thought this alvaro marissa goal really allowed them to kind of spain to kind of i wouldn't say sit back but just be really composed really calm in which spain are very very good at right and of course, it was um, the Germany to get back into the game. Nicolas Fulkrieg, Fulkrog. So German, so German. His name probably translates into fucking. I think his name translates into like full, full keg or something like that. If I can, I'm quickly want to find. It. I saw it on Twitter. Um, I saw it on Twitter, so I'll quickly find that. But yeah, of course, he's having a fantastic season in the Bundesliga. So he, of course. Um, was was got got subbed on in to to get that goal and to really be a presence up front and it was he he did prove to be that um yeah so full Krieg translates to filling jug German names huh German names you can't beat them but um yeah of course that was of course the goal in the eighty third minute and then Japan and then Germany despite probably being a little bit more, a little bit more dominant towards the back end of that game um saw out the one all draw and what this means is this is a very, very even group. Of course, it's going to be Japan versus Spain on the final day, Costa Rica versus Germany. Now, the equation is pretty simple for Spain. For Spain and Japan, it's pretty simple. Get a point. Get a point, and you're in. For Costa Rica and Germany, it's a lot less simple. Neither of them can afford to get a point. Both of them need to win in order to get through. And there is a, there is an equation in which... Costa Rica win, in which Costa Rica beat Germany, 
and Japan. Wait, yeah. Costa Rica beat Germany and Japan beat Spain. No, Costa Rica beat Germany and Japan and Spain draw and Costa Rica can finish top. That's insane. That is insane. Um, yeah, that is, that is absolutely mental. That's how it works, right? Yeah, that's how it works. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. It's gonna be it's gonna be very fascinating to see. By the way, um, it'd be very fascinating to see. Actually, no, Spain and Japan don't need a point because if Costa Rica win, they, they they knock Japan out. Well, is that right? Yeah, that is right. That is right. Okay, so Costa Rica, Japan, uh, Japan need to win. Japan need to win. Because I can't risk Costa Rica getting a result against Germany. So that's going to be fucking interesting to say. I'm not sure when does that... When, 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 okay, so that falls on the same ga- on the same day as, as the Canada-Morocco-Belgium-Croatia um, games. That's that's at two. Japan, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany is at six. So that's going to be interesting. That's going to be very, very interesting. But yes, um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, right? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But let's move on and let's finish things up with a preview. The final group... Final games that will be on at um, they'll be on at um, what's it called? How 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 do I fucking say this? The final games will be on at um at at nine o'clock. The final nine o'clock game, which which it's which sucks. It sucks. And the final midnight game as well. We have to wait till fucking two a.m. to watch the World Cup, which is which is um a bit of a pain in the ass. But Cameroon, Serbia, South Korea, Ghana, Brazil, Switzerland, Portugal, Uruguay. Let's go through. Let's go through the permutations, right? Okay, okay. I'm gonna go with, like I said, no predict, no no reasoning, just predictions. Cameroon, Serbia, two nil Serbia. South Korea, Ghana, one nil South Korea. Brazil, Switzerland, one nil Brazil. No name, I will hurt them a little bit. There's reasoning for you. Um, Portugal, Uruguay. Two one Uruguay. Two one Uruguay. Let's go throw the cats cat amongst the pigeon, pigeons big time. But yeah, anyway, we're done. Like I said, slightly short episode. I want to try and make these episodes on on or around forty minutes because I feel like that's probably the best time for them. But yes, thank you all very much for watching another episode of Two Foot Tackle Podcast. Apologies for my voice and for and somehow my light has stayed on. So I was gonna mention this, but I was like, I'm gonna mention it if it turns off. I forgot to. So basically, quick, quick, quick story. I have two batteries for my light. I plug one in, or I, I put one in the battery, or in the in the light, and then I charge the other one. And then when that one dies, or, or like before the start of every podcast, I just swap them around, right? So I have a freshly charged battery for my light every single time. However, before last week's episode, I forgot to charge the spare one. So I looked at it, I was like, oh shit, I've probably got, I've got a fully, I've probably got one, I've got a, I've got a battery for my light that's half dead, and I've probably got two half dead batteries, so I was like, that's probably going to die halfway through this podcast, but it hasn't died, so that's that's great news, so I'm going to have a fully charged light for next week, for ne- for tomorrow's pod, and I won't have to worry about it, but there you go, okay, thank you all very much for watching another episode of for Attack Podcast, World Cup Addiction, make, ad, edition, make sure you leave your thoughts in the comment section below, in the comment section below, subscribe, do all that good stuff, like I said at the start of the episode, um, share it around, like it, on every platform, it would mean the world to me. But yes, see you guys tomorrow for the final nine o'clock, twelve a.m. kickoffs. Um, 
and where we'll, where we'll wrap up the second phase of the second round of group stage games. And um, we'll, we'll go who was the most impressive team for the second round of the group stage, like we did for the first round. But yes, we're going to get a very clear picture of what the of what the of what the um the group stage will be looking at towards or well, in tomorrow's pod. But yes, thank you all very much for watching. Thank you for joining me once again. See you guys next time, and goodbye.